King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen When the snow lay round about, deep and crisp and even Brightly shone the moon Twas the day before Christmas, Irish fans. Have you been good all year? Because it is time for Notre Dame football. It's like Christmas has come. We've all been waiting. I am so excited to be podcasting you. Notre Dame versus Florida State in Tallahassee. Throw your tomahawks away, but bring out your shillelaghs. Let's go, Irish. Pour yourself a drink. Go straight into it. Three wide receivers right. They're going to go for two. Back to throw. Walks, looks, looks, looks. Has the time. Lost the ball. The pass is fed it down. Dawson throws, open receiver in the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame! Somehow, the Irish did it! Out of the pack, 30, 35, goodbye, baby! At the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10, fire rocket touchdown, Irish! Zimikowski looking for a block. Touch to the right, to the 40. Gets a block, gets to the 45, 50. Up to the 45, 40, 30, one minute to beat, 20, 15, 10. He's done to the five, touchdown, Irish! Happy Christmas morning, Fighting Irish Faithful. Welcome to the Fighting Irish Faithful podcast. It is Christmas morning, Irish fans. Well, the day before Christmas morning. At least that's what it feels like in this house. I am so excited for Notre Dame football. I look forward to it every year. And the first game of the year, I am just pumped up, amped up, uh, so excited. Uh, Welcome. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Faithful underscore Irish and on YouTube, Fighting Irish Faithful, and email Gmail at FightingIrishFaithful at gmail.com, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere there is to find a podcast on planet Earth, you can probably find me. Probably also in the North Pole, um, if your phone works in the snow. But anyway, uh, like I said, it is time to play football. And we're recording on Saturday morning. Uh, We've got some games coming up here on Saturday, games that don't necessarily directly impact Notre Dame right now, but uh, it will be fun later today to watch some football. And this podcast, you can pop in tomorrow morning on your way to church, on your way to Mass, uh, go to Mass, and then uh, the game is tomorrow. I'm sure all of you, like me, are not only excited, but you've already prepared your house, right? You know, you've put the stockings under the mantle, you've trimmed the tree, uh, you've probably mowed your lawn at this point, and it's starting to feel like fall. There's a crisp chill in the air. The morning was rainy here in Indianapolis, so we got some crappy winter-ish weather uh, going on in the fall. We had a heat wave recently, and so now that was kind of pushed out, and the doc said to me this morning, I'm not ready for it to get cold as she like wraps herself in a, a really uh, warm, cozy bathrobe. It was it was pretty funny, but we've got nacho uh, fixins on deck. Uh, if you've got a jersey or a Notre Dame uh, shirt, you you know you've ironed it, washed it, dry clean. Maybe you dry clean. Um, you've got your TV all set up. If you bought a new TV, it's clearly installed, and you've. Uh, uh, been doing all that and of course uh, some tasty beverages have been uh, acquired uh, this morning we are not drinking scotch I know but it's early morning and um, I'm not an alcoholic so <laughs> but we've got some black coffee here how about that 
But yeah, uh, your schedule is cleared. You've already prepared yourself to uh, watch The Irish on ABC, 7 o'clock, 7.30, whatever. It's probably closer to 8 by the time, you know, the TV stations allow uh, the game to kick off. And uh, everything is prepared for Santa. And maybe Brian Kelly is Santa. I don't know. Um, he is if he if he brings us a bowl win this year. How about that? So, But football has already started last week. Uh, I think Illinois and Nebraska were the first to kick off. And um, it's kind of funny to watch Illinois beat Nebraska. I didn't even watch the game. I was like, they're starting football way before you probably ever should. Um, that's just my opinion. The other uh, days we watched uh, some UCF and Boise. I was so excited to see Boise score their first touchdown on a pick six, 100 yards, um, and they still lost. So damn it, Boise State, my second favorite team. Um, I'm still rooting for Boise State versus Notre Dame in Vegas next season. I think there's one or two games that's still not scheduled as of this morning, September 4th fourth of 2021 so um notre dame versus boise in vegas i'll take oregon as a backup um maybe even cal um not byu that no not no boise or oregon in vegas let's let's do that we watched minnesota versus ohio state now i was really rooting for ohio state to lose and the Golden Gophers to dominate. Um, that was the first game that when I flipped on, I saw the stands packed in Minneapolis. Just seeing the Gopher Nation just go nuts. It was really good to see student sections full, fans in the stadium, uh, no one wearing masks or any of that shenanigans. It's, it's really good to see. Um, very positive. Though they didn't win. Now, Minnesota does have a, have a, a place in my heart, and that's because uh, I have family that still lives in Minnesota, extended family, and my grandparents were both from there. My grandfather, an Italian immigrant, grew up there and was a graduate of the University of Minnesota in their aerospace engineering department. Next game we watched was the UNC game. <laughs> And they lost to Vodtech. Everyone was just all over North Carolina and like, oh, they're going to be so good. And I'm like, no, they're not. Who says, like, we, we smoked them last year and without Kyle Hamilton after getting a targeting penalty last year. So UNC lost. Uh, check my Twitter timeline, at Faithful underscore Irish, where I make fun of them. North Carolina's quarterback, he is an experienced guy, and he threw an Everett Golson-ish interception um right at the end of the game uh, it was pretty pretty terrible and then last but not least funny story yesterday um after the vod tech game was over michigan state is killing northwestern and i don't care about either team northwestern michigan state i probably respect michigan state a little bit more but only because pat fitzgerald hates notre dame and so i kind of want to hate on northwestern in kind of the same energy there and they're killing them, and the doc turns to me and says, hey, can we watch HGTV instead? And I'm like, sure, <laughs> because I don't care about either team. So take that, Big Ten. So um, we've got some big games today, uh, Bama and Miami, 
uh, Clemson and Georgia. Uh, there's some good stuff going on today to certainly entertain us uh, to kick the season off. But Notre Dame, tomorrow, Sunday, after church in the evening, uh, it's Christmas here, and we've got us playing Florida State at Florida State. And kind of a weird game on a Sunday. Notre Dame, over the last 20 years, has only had a handful of opening games that were on the road and away. Most recently, it was at Louisville in 2019. By the way, some of you are still on your podcast saying Louisville. Stop it. Get it right. Louisville. All right. You, you make yourself look foolish. Okay. But at Louisville in 2019, um, and I actually missed most of that game because the doc and I were flying home from a weekend in Vegas, uh, celebrating a friend's birthday, just a Vegas getaway over the uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, it was crazy. We had a lot of fun. We didn't lose too much money, although I did hit a four of a kind in video poker at the Golden Nugget. Speaking of the Golden Nugget, when Notre Dame does play in Vegas next season, I've already told the doc we're staying at the Golden Nugget, and she's totally on board with that. Um, but anyway, uh, that was the last time we were in Vegas, and uh, that was the last time Notre Dame played a true away game to open the season. Before that was 2016 at Texas, where we lost in overtime 47-50. to and then 10 years before that, 2006 and 2005, both of Charlie Weiss's first two seasons were true away games at Georgia Tech in 2006 and at Pitt in 2005. Both of those wins. And then before that, Tyrone Willingham's last season in 2004 versus BYU, where he lost 17 to 20. And then in 2001, Bob Davey lost at Nebraska. 10 to 27 that was also his last season so something i find ironic is those last two losses i just mentioned were those respective coaches last opening games of their last season if that makes sense but then in 2016 recall that brian kelly went a whopping four and eight and i would say he had to kind of go through a some sort of death and rebirth you know kind of situation kind of re-resurrect himself and so, yeah, so that was the end and the death of Brian Kelly 1.0. And then 2017 with Josh Adams and Wimbush and company uh, was Brian Kelly 2.0. But yeah, the history of Notre Dame versus Florida State as we kick off this season. Uh, historically, uh, Notre Dame has a losing record to Florida State. Four wins versus six losses. Uh, but Notre Dame is on a two-game winning streak. Last year, we won 42-26, to and before that, was we killed them at home uh, with Dexter Williams uh, with terrible color-clashing green jersey. I like the green jerseys, but the blue and the... It, it just was way too many primary colors. My eyes couldn't handle it. Um, it was like, you know, kids coloring, you know, in a coloring book. It's just like, let's grab all the bright colors and throw them on the page that was Notre Dame's jerseys in 2018 but in 2000 the last two times Notre Dame played Florida State in Florida were both losses more recently 2014 a 31 to 27 loss and if you recall that was a very controversial call I won't go into that but uh, Notre Dame was called for 
offensive pass interference with Corey Robinson wide the hell open in the end zone. Um, and, you know, go back and watch it yourself. We won't dissect that play and that game. But Notre Dame did show up into a very hostile environment, and I believe are ranked fifth or ninth in that game. And that was midseason before they had their precipitous decline under the hands of Everett Golson and Kelly. And then in 2011, Notre Dame lost in the Champ Sports Bowl to Jimbo Fisher, 14 to 18. And I think we blew a very large lead uh, to lose that game in the fourth quarter. So that was disappointing. But in 2002, the time before that, this happened. Out of the eye, play action, fake Holiday rolling out to the right, looking to throw, throwing long downfield, got a man downfield, battle at the 25, at the 20, the 15, at the 10, on an angle, five, he'll score, touchdown Notre Dame, 65 yards on the first play, Carlisle Holiday to Arnaz Battle. Oh, Tony, you talk about lighting it up. Every time I watch that replay of Arnez Battle catching the ball, I, I get chills. I'm, I'm pumped up. I'm like, let's do this. If Notre Dame comes out like that, I'm so excited because I was bitching all last season about how our passing game was uh, less than adequate. And if Tommy Reese, Jack Cohn, and our receivers and Kelly can say, man, we got to shut the hell this guy up over at Fighting Irish Faithful Podcast. You know, he's been kind of a dick to us. Let's have him eat his words i hope that happens okay make me eat my own words all right let's move on with success in the passing games to complement our success in the running game but sunday's night game will have a lot of energy not only is it a night game abc you know espn people will be there notre dame has hurt me before with uh that kind of big game environment and uh bobby bowden passed away this past year so you know that stadium, Dope Campbell Stadium, is going to be off the hook, and they're going to want to win to honor the legendary head coach, Bobby Bowden. Uh, I felt it necessary to talk about Bobby Bowden just a little bit. Um, interesting fact, his first head coaching was at Howard University, a historical black college. I actually have a high school classmate who uh, went to Howard. Um, but he was the head coach at Florida State for 18 years. And then he won his first title in 1993. So Kelly's entering uh, year 12. So let's see, eight more years. So 2029, is that math work out? I think Kelly's going to retire before that. Hopefully we win a title before that happens. And then from 1985 to 1995, Bobby Bowden won 11, 11 consecutive bowl games. And a lot of those are New Year's Sixes, Orange Bowls, Sugar Bowls, what have you. So I'm nervous a little bit about this game just from an energy standpoint and how we haven't performed well in certain situations. But um, hopefully uh, we can uh, be the better team. And I believe that uh, we are based off of the following stats I'm about to share with you. Last year, Notre Dame uh, did very well, went 10-2, and and Mike Norvell in now his second season with a 0.33 win percentage. Uh, they went three and six last year, his first season. They had a lot of turmoil and COVID and whatever, you know, so he gets a little bit of a pass with the COVID stuff. And he had a good record at Memphis before that. His career as a head coach was about uh, two out of three. Um, 
uh, as far as his win percentage. But Kelly uh, at Notre Dame has a record of 72%, and which is better than his career in uh, Division I uh, before even coming to Notre Dame and including his Notre Dame. And recruiting, Notre Dame's four-year recruiting average is 13th uh, from 24-7. They were ninth most recently, then 18, 15, and 10. And then Florida State is 22, 22, 18, and 11 with an average of 18.25. So on average, Notre Dame has better talent and a better coach. Um, Notre Dame is ranked ninth in the AP poll, uh, seventh in the coaches poll. Now, hopefully these polls aren't complete garbage because North Carolina, who I just trashed on earlier, was ranked 10th. And uh, yeah, they didn't show up and they didn't look like the 10th best team at all. Um, but hey, who knows? It is what it is. All the other stats that I normally look at, I will not bore you with because quite frankly, they're kind of meaningless based off of last year. Um, new team, you know, new program, new players. Notre Dame's got new offensive linemen, quarterbacks, everything. Um, so, and, and Florida State is a new team as well. Uh, but there are a few stats that are of note from last year. Florida State was better than Notre Dame in red zone touchdowns. Um, but both were pretty crappy in red zone scoring as a whole. Uh, Florida State was uh, 111th, and Notre Dame was 102nd in just red zone scoring period. So uh, that's pretty bad, um, and I gave Tommy Reese a lot of crap for that as well. So he's got to score in the red zone and score passing touchdowns this season. Florida State is also a decent running team. Um, they averaged 199 yards on the ground, and Notre Dame averaged 211, so they're very similar on rushing yards. And in rushing percentage as a selection of play, Florida State runs the ball 55%. That's pretty high, and Notre Dame, though, 58%. So, um, But yards per point, the stat I always come back down to, uh, the efficiency of one's offense, how well you can do. Uh, Notre Dame last year was 13.4. Florida State last year, 15.4. So clear advantage to Notre Dame there. The last 10 years, the average national champion, their yards per point is 11.7. So if you're at 11, 12, around that mark, you're having a good year. TeamRankings.com is giving Notre Dame a 69% chance to win, which seems kind of low given all the... Uh, things I just described, and Notre Dame is only getting a seven-point spread margin. I wonder if the away game and the Bobby Bowden thing have something to do with that and the fact that Notre Dame is a new quarterback and kind of untested, unproven receivers and offensive line. Um, but Notre Dame's defense is far superior, and um, I, I'm not a betting man on sports, although I'm being inundated with sports betting on my phone and Twitter and even on TV, ads, whatever. Um, I think I even see it on a billboard on the highway every day I drive into work. But anyway, Notre Dame's only getting seven points uh, as a spread uh, to their advantage. So uh, I think Notre Dame should cover the spread. Um, I don't bet on Notre Dame because I don't do that. Um, you know, I don't want to bet on them. And then, you know, they don't cover the spread, but they win because then I'll be like half disappointed. Uh, I, I'm not going to do that. So I'd rather just go to the casino, play craps or video poker or something. Per reports coming out of Notre Dame that Brian Kelly over the last few weeks has been blasting the Tomahawk chant, the war chant. I even considered playing it tonight in the podcast, and I said, absolutely not. 
last week Sunday, uh, we're, we go to mass and uh, we go to the 8 a.m. early mass, uh, getting the baby out of the car, uh, heading in the parking lot into uh, mass. But right as I'm getting the baby's uh, car seat out, I hear behind us there's a baseball field for a park. And they start playing the Florida State chant. And it's like 7.55 in the morning. And I just stop what I was doing. And I turn and I give the dirtiest look possible to the park in general. And then after Mass come out, there's a bunch of you know Little League games. So respect to the Little League people. But whoever's running the, the PA system in uh, Craig Park in Greenwood, screw you. All right, screw you. Go Irish. Beat Seminoles. But I'm really glad that Kelly is blasting uh, the Tomahawk chant. Uh, he is trying to create a decently adverse environment at practice. I hope he's, you know, just slapping people with um, tackling dummies, something just to make it difficult for them. Um, pr- I hope practice sucks. Any good football player will tell you that practice is supposed to suck. Because if practice sucks, you work hard during the game and the game seems easier. I think that was also Bobby Bowden's philosophy as well. And hey, look at him. He's a legend. He has two titles under his belt. I'm, I'm really hoping that Notre Dame pulls out a win here. Um, now, I don't know what else Kelly is doing at his practices and what else is going on with the team. I am not credentialed media. I'm just a dude with a Twitter account, a microphone, a mortgage, a wife and a kid upstairs, you know, and a car payment. So I am not a professional. I have a real job. Um, nothing against, you know, media people, but I'm not, I'm not in the inner fold here. All right. You're all getting my honest, truthful opinion. And I'm bringing a passion to this because I like doing this as a hobby and, uh, a way to thoroughly embrace my fighting Irish and engage with other people of similar interest or people who are bored on a Saturday morning and are watching this. No offense, guys. Mike Norvell at Florida State. I'm not sure what he's doing in his practices, um, but he has not officially announced who the quarterback will be for Florida State, and he's not going to do it until kickoff. So this either means one of two things. One, he's a complete dumbass, and he has no grasp of his program, and he is uh, trying to figure something out, like Charlie Weiss in 2007, where we rotate three or four quarterbacks in the opening game and still get our butts kicked at home. Um, I don't think that's what he's doing, though. I think uh, he's trying to do uh, some mind games, uh, some sort of uh, chess match, hold his cards in to create some adversity for Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame's defense by okay, I got this quarterback over here or that quarterback over there, and both are a little different, so how are we going to you know, plan out? I think it's just gamesmanship on his part. We'll see how successful it is. I don't think he will be. Um, but one other thought I had is Mike Norvell had some turmoil with his players last year, and maybe this is a way to build trust with his team uh, within the tribe. You like that what I did there? and um trying to like make it secret on purpose and so if the players all the players know and all the coaches know but no one outside of that circle knows you know that's a way to build uh, trust within one's program maybe that's what he's doing i don't know this sounds like some weird psychological thing that lou holtz would do um but way too simple and probably not helpful at all but um because Mike Norvell is not Lou Holtz by a long shot. The two quarterbacks possibly are Jordan Travis 
who was the quarterback who faced Notre Dame last year, and he did amass uh, about 300 yards, so uh, good for him, even though they lost. Um, or Mackenzie Milton, uh, who is a transfer from UCF. Now, he had a really bad injury in 2018, but he had almost 10,000 yards and 100 touchdowns almost. So uh, this guy can put points on the board. And, of course, at UCF, when you play garbage teams, that's very possible to do. So no disrespect to Mr. Milton. I actually think that is who Norvell is going to play now that he has this healthy transfer quarterback. And that would be kind of interesting. Two grad transfer kind of guys going at it, Cone versus Milton. So if I'm going to bet on something, I would bet on that. The concerns I have for this game are kind of transcend for the season and my concerns going into the season. Um, the main one is the offensive line and their level of experience. Notre Dame lost many players to the NFL, some of them taken early uh, in of the six rounds. At one point before Kane Madden transferred in, there were only 31 career starts for the entire offensive line. Um, so that is a problem. You've had guys that have battled in injury, like Patterson, who went out with a foot injury, and then Zeke Carell had to come in, but Zeke Carell got some really good playing time, really good experience last year. But the depth chart will have Josh Lug, who's kind of been in and out. He's starting at right tackle. Kane Madden, a transfer, who is actually from Marshall, which is interesting, but he has seen success at Marshall so and good experience, so welcome Notre Dame. Jarrett Patterson, who is back playing center, the position he deserves, and I think is a preseason uh, All-American watch list kind of guy. Uh, Zeke Carell moving over to left guard, um, who does have some decent experience, but not a whole lot. And then true freshman from Avon, Indiana, suburb of Indianapolis, Blake Fisher. This dude is awesome, um, but he is a freshman at left tackle, very important position. But he is a five-star, and so I believe he has the uh, athletic ability to be in that position. I don't think Kelly would put him there um, with Jeff Quinn as the offensive line coach. They're putting him there because they trust him to cover the blind side of Jack Cohn. So on initial glance with all these guys departing to the NFL, but then you step back and you look at, well, this guy here is a grad transfer. This guy is a, a, a graduate student. This guy's a senior. This guy's a junior and a true freshman. So there is kind of a wide breadth um, and you've got some guys with talent and guys with experience. So I think the offensive line can be okay, can be successful. They will make or break how the offense performs, anything from the running game to establishing the pocket, allowing Cohn to find his receivers. The next piece I want Notre Dame to work on and to overcome is the deep pass connection that has clearly been lacking the last couple years. No disrespect to Ian Book. He has the most wins of any starting quarterback at, in Notre Dame history, but he did not throw the deep ball. We need someone like a Deshaun Kaiser to Will Fuller, a Tommy Reese to Michael Floyd, a Jimmy Clausen to Golden Tate, a Quinta Samarja connection, or a Carlisle Holiday to Arnez Battle. We need something like that this game. Who is Cohn going to throw to? Is it going to be Austin? Is it going to be Watts? Lindsey, Davis, Wilkins, Keys, 
Colsey, Styles, Salerno. Which one of these receivers is going to be the man? Who is going to step up? I need one of these guys to be the household name with Jack Cohn this year. This will help our offensive efficiency. It will allow us to run the ball by having a deep threat. People won't have to, defenses will not be able to cheat up on us. Run the ball. That is the cornerstone of the offense. And then passing is a supplement on top of that. But both have to be productive from a touchdown standpoint. Or is it going to be Mike Mayer? Mike Mayer, our tight end, he's a sophomore. He's no longer a freshman. This guy has been told to be unguardable um, based on his size and athletic ability, his hands, his strength. Um, we're going to give him a nickname, though, uh, since he is mayor. He is the mayor. Uh, we're going to say your honor, because I believe that's how you address a mayor of a town. Uh, so your honor, Mike Mayer, uh, looking forward to this season with you. The toast of the episode is to the offensive line. Blake Fisher, Zeke Carell, Jarrett Patterson, Kane Madden, Josh Lug, and we'll also throw the honorable Mike Mayer in there. Cheers to you guys. I'm really looking forward to the season, looking forward to hanging out with everybody on Twitter during the game, chatting you up. I'll probably have a baby in, in one arm and then the phone in the other uh, as we watch the game. And then every now and then we'll take a sip of beer and, and eat some nachos as well. I am going to one game this season. I am going to the Navy game, uh, going with some Knights of Columbus people. Uh, we're gonna have a good time. And uh, that is where we are at. But first, we've got a big test in Tallahassee tomorrow. And it's like Christmas over here, as I said before. So everyone, thank you for joining me. Enjoy this game. And this is the first step of let's hopefully 13 more to reach the top of the summit. Take care, everyone. Go Irish. Beat Seminoles.